everybody, and welcome back to your favorite Swimbait Podcast, Scales and Tales, uh, episode 29 today. And I'm joined by uh, by a man who, who's fished uh, the Midwest all the way to the to the East Coast. Um, I am interviewing Mr. Luke Lowe today. Uh, Luke, Lowey, Lowey, right? Yep. <laughs> See, I told you, I, I'm terrible with last names. But uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Um, his Instagram is Bass and Buckets, and uh, if you follow him, you you automatically know who I'm who I'm talking about. But I'll let I'll let Luke introduce himself, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of get the ball rolling here today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, my name is Luke Lowy. I uh, am an avid bass fisherman, but uh, by the sounds of my Instagram and YouTube name, Bass and Buckets, I kind of came with, up with that a few years ago. I, I was also a Division one college basketball player for five years. So that's kind of what my channel was all about. And I played obviously basketball full time, but while I was out there, my love for fishing kind of bit at me a little bit. And I wanted to start that. So I was able to fish out in Virginia. I went to William and Mary, played basketball there for four years. Fishing out there was really, really good. So got a lot of great. Um, fishing stories from out there and then for my fifth year my graduate uh, senior year I transferred to the University of Minnesota landed 10,000 lakes so I finished off my career fishing uh, in another pretty good state so yeah it was pretty fun um, I am from Wisconsin originally so a lot of great fishing there too so yeah so did you swim bait fish at all before before you got into college because I remember uh, it would have been fall of 2019 is uh is when you when you message me on instagram you're like hey man like uh do you know anything about this this swim bait universe gathering thing and that's back when uh was that the first year or second year i can't remember Uh, i did not go to the first year but i think you did right yeah i so i think you hit me up like after like after like in the winter or some point in time maybe early spring and we were talking about it and uh, i was like oh yeah dude it's badass like there's the there's the tournament on the lake the next day and then I was with Victor at the Fish Everything booth, and you came up and you started talking, and you're like, "You're Adrian, right? Like Northern Michigan angler." I'm like, "Who is this guy?" And then how, how does he know me? And uh, and it was either Phil or Vic, and they're like, "Oh, dude, that's Luke. He plays basketball." I'm like, "Oh, that's who he is." I'm like, "Okay, face with the name. Now that makes sense." Yeah, yeah. That was the second year, so I was at the second year. The first year, I didn't have my boat yet, and I hadn't really gotten into how good the fishing was around the area yet, so. I wasn't like I wasn't really aware that it, it was even going on. But then the second year, I made sure I was there, and then fished the tournament too. Got to meet you guys at the booth and stuff. That was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. So did you have any swim bait, uh, like any years swim baiting prior to to going to college, or did it mainly start when you were in Virginia over there? So no, like literally none. Wisconsin, I never even that never even crossed my mind. And then I got to Williamsburg and fished around the area a little bit, learned about Lake Chickahominy, um, Chickahominy River. Um, and there was a couple of guys that were catching just monster fish on glide baits. On I can name three, I bet. Yep, you can Brian probably name Mary, them. Daniel Jones, and uh, Anna, or, what's his name? Uh, oh, shit, I can't it's, think of his name. It's an Allen, though. William yeah, Allen. Yeah. William, yeah, Will, that's what it is, that's what it is, yep. Yeah, so those three dudes were like they catch eight to ten pounders, and I was like, oh my gosh! Like I, I obviously wanted to get some of that, so um, I went to Fishing Pro Tech 
and talked to Lynn. Um, and he, actually, that was when Daniel was still working there too. He, those two kind of talked me into buying my first swim bay, which was a bullshad four by four. Um, and I thought it was like insane to throw something like that, like that big. I'd never even thought about it. it like fifty bucks, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared to throw this thing, and like I didn't want to snap it off or whatever. <laughs> and then like I had a GoPro, so actually no, I didn't have a GoPro yet. So I, I would like I had like a phone mount that would I would that's I ended up buying a John boat for two hundred fifty dollars that I stuck in the back of my pickup truck out there while I was playing basketball, and I would go fishing in between like practices and stuff, and all those lakes around there. So I started videoing with my phone. You know, I would catch like a pickerel here and then like a one and a half pounder there on it and i thought it was the coolest thing ever and then from then on i was kind of hooked on it and then that's when i kind of got down the rabbit hole spending a lot more money on baits <laughs> yeah it's exactly how it goes so for anybody who doesn't know fish fish pro tech or fishing pro tech whatever it is exactly that's where the first gathering was and that was like my first that was my first real experience to to swim bait fishing uh on the east coast and I remember going into Lynn's shop and I mean, he had everything. He had bullshit. He had uh, fish, everything phony. Uh, I mean, he just had all sorts of stuff. This I wasn't really new, but like, I was like, holy shit. Like in the Midwest, you don't have tackle shops that, that carry stuff like that. And right. then uh, the next year I went, we went to, to shit, green top. That's the other big one, right? That's like yep. a big, big tackle shop. Yeah. Yep. Green top. And they have like glass displays of all sorts of stuff. They have like Roman maids and everything. I'm like, holy shit. Like for anybody who doesn't know, like the East coast, like Virginia gets down with swim baits. There's a lot. I mean, I don't actually know how many guys do it, but there is like, they're readily available for you whenever you want to, whenever you want to get into it out there relative to, to like the Midwest, like they're, you can go to Cabela's and buy stuff at, uh, at Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's, but it's definitely not the garage built stuff. And it's usually for the most part, like it's, it's labeled towards musky fishing for the most part around me, at least. I don't know. I guess probably the same thing in Wisconsin and Minnesota, seeing as there's way more musky there than there is here. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, uh, so yeah, it was that, that was the fall, um, when I got that first swim bait and then I didn't really catch a ton on it, but then in like January or February, one of those guys caught like a 10 or, Ten and a half pounder or something on a phony, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So I pulled the trigger on it. It was one hundred and sixty dollars. I still didn't have like a swim bait rod either. I just had a, like a telescoping flipping stick kind of. Um, so like I was throwing that thing around so carefully, and then I never really caught anything on it. Um, but then, uh, so that year ended, and then the next year. Um, it, during the fall, I kind of bought some more baits and I actually bought a, I had a couple, no, I had one fish, everything hater, a big hater, like a oh, crank classic. Yeah. And I had a couple days on a lake where I caught, like I caught a six pounder, a five pounder, four pounder, like a three pounder one day. And then I caught like another six pounder one day. And then that's when I was like hooked. And then. That was in the fall, so the second gathering was coming up in October, and then uh, Victor was bringing out the paperweights, and I was like, I got to get one of those because that would definitely work. It was a little smaller than the phony. And so 
my girlfriend flew down from Wisconsin uh, and came to visit me for my birthday. And she actually came with me to the gathering. And she like, I told her, like, just buy me this one thing for my birthday. That's all you have to get me. And it was a paperweight. So she bought me a, <laughs> bought me the first paperweight for my birthday. And that thing absolutely has gotten chewed. That, that thing is the best glide bed I ever used. Like, that's what I caught my PB on a couple springs ago, seven and a half pound largey. And then that 17 and a half pound striper I caught with Victor. And then so many five and six pounders out there. The thing is just beat. I have what? tried to reti- I tried to retire it a couple times, but I just can't uh-huh. work so well. <laughs> is that the gold, like the gold crackle top? Yep. Is that the okay. champagne bone? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Was was That's that the, the year? So that was the year the paperweight came out. Was the next year the big paperweight? Or no, the big paperweight was uh, was that year, but in Richmond, I think. Or right, uh, like nope. Richmond fishing show. Correct. He had the big paperweights that year too, but I I still got one of the like original paperweights. It, the paperweight might have already been out like a year before that, but or like a couple months before it. But he had a bunch of the show that I picked that one up. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm so glad you didn't buy one of those big paperweights. We were <laughs> funny story. Uh, we literally were making those baits up until two o'clock the morning. The morning of the gathering, I remember seeing those pictures. I was like, "Oh my! What are you? What is going on?" Yeah, we were in the hotel room making brush tails. Uh, Bill had brought like some literal mountain-made moonshine. He was oh. chugging that. He was like absolutely no help. Victor and I were pissed. We were the only ones actually working on baits, and this was after we spent literally all day painting the baits, tuning the baits, and everything. It was, dude. I literally flew in from Michigan. Phil picked me up from the airport. We ate lunch at uh, at uh, cookout, and Victor oh, yeah. called us. Like he's like, "Hey, um, are you guys uh, like is Adrian landed?" We're like, "Yeah, we're just eating." He's like, "Okay, um, do you guys want to drive up here and help me?" We're like, "Oh, what, what, what do you need?" He's like, "Um, well, uh, I need the baits weighted, sealed. I need to paint them, and then we need to go test them." And we're like, "Oh my gosh!" And so we went up there Thursday Thursday night. Worked all Thursday night, left. Uh, Phil and I didn't go to sleep till like three o'clock in the morning on Friday morning. Got up. Victor had been up for like three hours already painting. Uh, and then, like, I don't know what happened between like 10 a.m. until like 9 a.m., but nothing got done. Like, literally, nobody was working on baits, anything. And then uh, the baits were still kind of tacky from the clear coat when we left. And it's a miracle that those, like, dried okay at least wow and then we get there and vic is like okay we gotta like spend the next like four hours making tails for all these baits and for anybody who hasn't made a brush tail like a a paintbrush tail for a shad glide it is terrible it is terrible to do in a workspace let alone in a rented hotel room with like a tiny ass little table that we're all trying to share and stuff it was we went through like six tubes of super glue. It was it was absolutely terrible. I did not wish that on anybody. But That's yeah, so so you get that paperweight. Did you fish the tournament that year since you had your boat? Uh, I did, except I rented actually Ed Allen, the guy who owns the like the bait shop there the and the whole campground. Too. Yeah, yep. Uh, he let me use his boat. Him and I got got close because he is a big basketball fan. So. 
I would go oh, out there, fish with my boat. He would let me launch for free. We would just talk hoops a little bit. And then he had a, a gas motor, and I just had an electric trolling motor. So he let me use his boat so I could be a little more mobile during the tournament. So, yeah, it was just me in there. And I remember it rained, like, the entire day. Yeah, but, I didn't even get out of bed to go fish. Like, Phil and I had a boat rented, and I called at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I was like, hey, um, I left a message. I'm like, we're not going to be renting this boat because it was already downpouring. And the yeah. year before, Phil and I had a terrible experience, and I'm like, dude, I do not want to go out there and fish, mostly because I didn't have a rod, and Phil had, like, three rods, and I'm like, I don't really want to use your stuff. Like, I hate using other people's stuff, and I was like, I'm just going to sleep this one off because yeah. I really don't need to go fish that lake again. <laughs> yeah, that, that turn was super tough, too. I think, like, only, like, a five-pounder won it, and they, I watched them catch it in, like, the last hour right right by the launch, too, and it was just absolutely downpouring, but I... I got lucky. I caught one that was like three and a three and a half, I think, and I got like seventh or something. And I won uh, I go uh, like a catch board, which I still use. I don't even have a like a golden rule or a bump board in my bass boat any like at all. So I still use that swim bait like thirty two inch catch board to bump like fourteen inch fish. So <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Those things Pretty. are super nice. Like they're heavy as shit. Like. If you're bank, like bank stomping, it's kind of overkill. But for a boat, uh, you just throw it in a rod locker, call it good. For sure. So did you fish the paperweight that Sunday for the tournament? Or did you, uh, did you have something else you were fishing? Yeah, no, that was, the, that was the first day I owned it. And I threw it the entire day. Um, the water was like tannic, so it just like glowed. It was perfect. I just like kept it in my hands. First, first fish I caught on was like a eight or nine pound bowfin just like chewed it had like some big scratches in it but caught that and then i only caught one bass but it was good enough for whatever whatever place it was but it was brutal yeah the fishing was pretty tough for everybody i think yeah i feel like during the the swim bait universe tournaments out there there's more bowfin caught than there is bass like the first year it was because all of the all of the grass got like blew blown out of the lake or something into the river and that was the huge like huge thing that year and everybody knew the fishing was going to be shit but yeah. second year i don't know i mean i know there was like three or four guys that were catching both and like they caught multiple both and throughout the day yeah yeah no i mean i literally at the end of the day was working my way back to the launch and i saw two dudes in the wind would end up being the winning boat the guy the guy in the front of the boat took first, and the guy in the back of the boat took second. And they caught those two fish back to back off the same point, like in the last hour. Like, watch. And yeah. I was like on my way to fish there. I was kind of sick, but that must have been AJ and uh, oh, who's he fishing with? His buddy. I can't think of his name, but AJ from Maryland. I think won it that year. Yeah. And he probably won it on a toxic. If I had to guess, because that dude loves toxic baits. <laughs> I think it was like a, yeah, it was like a wake bait or something. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so you get done with the, get done at the gathering and stuff. Was, was Chickamahoney, Chickamahoney, I never know if I'm saying that right. Was that like considered your home lake for where you lived or did you have lakes closer that you would kind of regularly fish in between games and practices and stuff? Yeah. So there was, I was lucky. There was like seven or eight options around Williamsburg. Well, first of all, I, we had a lake on campus, which was like, it was a legit lake, but there was no houses or anything on it. There was one dock and every, like, it was 
wooded around the entire lake, so it was just straight woods. You couldn't really get a normal boat on it. And I would slide my John boat in by the like the student dock or whatever, which <laughs> I eventually got kicked off for after a long time. But that lake was money. There was so many bass in there. It was there was bass, huge crappies and gar, and that's pretty much the only thing that was in there. The crappies were huge. There was a ton of bass, but not a ton of big ones. The biggest one I caught there was like five and a half. I think we caught a couple that big, but there was a bunch of them. And then there was some huge gar, but like those fish never saw anyone else's bait. So it was super fun to fish out there. And then out of a boat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I caught a bunch of fish on haters in there and I would throw the glide a little bit, even though they weren't big, catch them. But then there was probably, yeah, like I would rotate between probably four or five other lakes um one of my favorites was diaskund but i didn't throw swim meets there that much there was just huge spotted bass out there which were the alabama spots i think so they were they weren't native but they were really big but big hominy is probably my favorite just because of the potential of catching a giant one out there like it was it was fun to learn um i fished a couple tournaments out there eventually which was really fun i can get into that later i threw some glides that were Caught some huge fish catches like during the tournament on paperweight out there, which was pretty cool. So dope. Did you did uh, did you have electronics on that on that John boat, or was this like pre elect pre electronics? Like you were just fishing stuff that looked good on the surface. So yeah, it was a tw- it was a 12 foot John boat. I had two seats in it. I had I actually had two trolling motors and two batteries. And then I was fishing for a couple months with it. And then my dad's boss actually like gave me one of his old hummingbird. I think it was a 998 side imaging unit. So I would put the tra- I would mount the transducer on the back with like a wooden pole every time I would go out and a clamp. And then I had the had the unit bracketed on to like there was like a little bench that I sat on. It was just right to the left of me on the bench. So I did have depth inside imaging eventually, which was pretty sweet. Damn, that, uh, I, I mean, I've never, I've, I can count on one hand how many times I've been able to swim bait fish out of a boat, let alone, like, I, I mean, all my friends have electronics on their boat, but I'm always in the back, so I never, like, get to see. And so when guys are always talking about electronics, I'm like, man, I wonder, I wonder if that would help me much. Like, I mean. Like I said, I don't do it enough to to say it would make or break like the experience, but um, side imaging stuff I can see would be so helpful. And uh, it so kind of like jumping a little bit. You you're now back home, right? Yep. Yep. And so on your on your boat, you have uh, live scope, right? Yeah, that's the best purchase I've ever made. Honestly. <laughs> Um, so there's a guy named Bo Sprayer who who lives down in Alabama, and he is like a live target swimbait fishing guru. I don't know if he has live target or uh, active active target. Is that the other one? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know which one he has exactly, but he has gotten so good at it. Uh, he can cast down to a fish, let it sink down, crank down, whatever. And there's a good possibility he can hook that fish. Have you been able to kind of crack that code as far as like swimbait fishing? I know. Um, Earlier, you were talking about how how you went out like Monday and you cracked a bunch of smallmouth on it. Have you kind of gotten to transfer that to swim bait fishing, or is it more or less just just kind of finding the fish and casting towards them? 
for you? Honestly, I haven't gotten there with swim bait fishing yet. It's it's a little bit tougher in Wisconsin just because um, I, I've never really caught them deep on swim baits. I've never also really tried. Um, usually up here when I get them, when the best time to catch them is like spring and then maybe in the fall, like kind of when they're moving up shallow, like just around cover and stuff. So I haven't been able yeah. to do it with a swim bait yet, but I mean, everything else, like, like you said, the other day I was live scoping smallies and suspended over like 40 feet, a hundred feet out, like just dropping right on them and catching them, which was pretty sweet. But like, I can see, I can see, I I haven't tried it. I, I, I feel like I, I could try it and probably do it now, but I also see like I can, I've gotten to the point where I can determine what kind of fish is what for the most part now. And like, whenever I'm fishing deep, I see so many pike. I like, I just, I don't know. I don't <laughs> love the idea of throwing a hundred. I mean, most of the time I use like a hundred pound fluorocarbon leader. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't love pike and glide bait combinations. Since, uh, since we're kind of touching back on the Wisconsin factor, were you able to take, take kind of what you knew from Virginia fishing out there for a couple of years and, and apply it to your home lakes or, uh, or did you guys kind of know how fish reacted to baits and kind of fished them in the same scenarios at home in Wisconsin? Yeah, definitely that. So that year after the, well, that whole year where I swim baited really hard in Virginia and I came home in the spring, like I brought, that back with me to wisconsin and that first spring back it was just insane in wisconsin like i had so much confidence throwing it and like throwing it in the right situations and i was catching a ton of big fish on it and i was doing it in tournaments too like i would fish wednesday nighters where it was like two biggest fish and i want a couple of those like just throwing a glide bait um like around people that would like make fun of me for throwing it too they'd be like what are you fishing for like like sharks or salmon or like and then i would throw it and catch like a four and a half like right as they drove by it was just it was sick um because i don't like up here not like nobody believes in it really oh yeah yeah and like they just no one really throws it just because first of all they got the muskies and pike and then it just looks insane for up for like the the big bass up here which are probably I mean, a really big one is six plus, and you really don't get those that often. But like a five pounder is a big one up here, and even even for a five pounder, people are discouraged to throw a bait that big. So, but having that whole year under my belt in Virginia gave me confidence to throw it. I mean, there was a yeah, there was multiple tournaments where there was some, there was definitely some money made with those glide baits, which was pretty sweet. I got a lot of those on my YouTube channel too, just the shameless plug there. But <laughs> no, you're good. Uh... I'll, I'll link all that stuff and everything and have you shout that out at, at the towards the end. But shit, what was I going to say? Um, oh, I think there's something to be said, like, for, especially for you fishing out in, or fishing out in Virginia and catching fish on these bigger baits. Like if you go out like two or three times and you, you catch like a lot of good fit, like even if you just catch a lot of fish on baits and you're catching like one and a half, two, three pounders, um, the, the freaking confidence you get, like, in in like just general like you feel like you could go out into a mud puddle and if there's a fish in there it would bite your swim bait and i had days like that when i first started like i'd catch three or four fish on the gantrell a day 
And after about a week of doing that and catching like 12 fish, I'm like, holy shit, like I can go anywhere I want and I could catch a fish on command. It felt like with this bait. And then you slowly like not, I mean, maybe it's confidence, maybe it's just being cocky, but you slowly start to get bigger baits and you're like, oh, like they, they ate this bait. Like they're, t- they're going to kill this bait. Like it's not very much bigger profile wise, it's just a little bit longer. And then there's a point in time where you're like, you're fishing like a, a decent sized bait and you're like, why, like, why am I fishing this? Why am I sacrificing this size for this size bait? If I catch the same amount of fish, like, I don't right. know. That's how I was. I, I started to fish and then I bought a lot of big stuff and, um, I kind of downgraded after, after about two years ago and I was catching the same amount of fish and like the same quality fish. And it's probably because like we live up North, so we, we don't have like those eight pound class fish, like out in Virginia, eight, 10 pounders. And it's like those, those five pounders are going to eat the, the, the quote unquote smaller swim baits just as much as they would try to eat the bigger swim baits, if at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, confidence was huge. I honestly, I've kind of toned it back a little bit this year with my swim bait throwing, uh, just because I fish a ton more tournaments and it's kind of, it's, I wouldn't say risky, but you got to have the utmost confidence to do it like all day and commit to it. And I also felt like I didn't have like the perfect situations as much during tournaments this year that I did last year. But I mean, that's the other thing with it. You, you kind of learn what situations and what conditions are the right ones to where you have the most confidence throwing it. Um, I mean, and then you start to learn, like I've started to learn up here, like which lakes I really think that they'll, they'll bite it on. Cause some lakes they just won't and some they, they will for sure. And you can get them to, you can get a, a good pattern going on. I mean, there was a lake in Virginia. That's when I first learned about like the power of it is it was a super pressured lake. And like, I would, I would watch a bunch of people fish down the bank and then I would follow them up with a glide bait and like fish behind them and way out fishing with it. Like the fish were seeing conventional stuff all the time. And honestly on that lake, it was like they had never seen a glide bait. So it was kind of like, which never happens anymore is like a, but a, a bite that you get on where fish has the fish have never seen the bait before. Like, I'm sure that used to happen all the time when new baits would come out, like a chatter bait or like when the spinner bait first came out, but that <laughs> yeah. probably doesn't happen very much anymore. But I feel like I got on that. And it was like it was insane. That's where most of my confidence came from. It's just like fishing those fish to just to see like the power of baits like that and stuff. Did you ever have an experience towards the end of you living out there where it almost seemed like maybe the fish kind of caught on to what a glide bait was? Like, oh that that gold shad over there, like do not eat that thing because you're gonna get fucking abducted if you eat it. Um or could you not tell? I mean, if it's like if it's just you fishing a body of water, obviously, and it's like a decent sized lake, I feel like the fish wouldn't wise up as much, like compared to to a lake like Chickamahoney or I I know I butchered Chickahominy. Yeah, yeah Chickahominy. It's like there compared you. to a lake like that where there's there's multiple guys, um, like multiple guys that socially talk about it. Like how many guys don't ever talk about it? But compared to those fish, where they might see. 10 glide baits in a matter of two weeks relative to one every week. Like I feel like, I feel like fish, fish aren't necessarily dumb, not saying they're like crazy smart, but I feel like once they key on key in on something and they realize like, Hey, like I'm not going to eat that just because it's going by me. Like you have to literally trick them into it. I feel like they wise up uh, and 
and maybe are, are more hesitant to eat stuff that looks familiar to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the lake I was talking about, I'm not going to name, but that lake, I didn't find that on, but Lake Chickahominy, those fish were smart after a while. Like, um, after those guys went through it a couple of years with those big baits and those catching those huge ones, those same fish were still there and they were getting really smart. Like certain colors really mattered. Um, and you wouldn't catch as many. It had to be perfect conditions. I know I, I was fishing a tournament out there once and that was, that was after I caught my 17 and a half pound striper on that like original paperweight I owned. And I got another one from Victor that was a blank. And I, I said I was going to retire that one that I just caught the striper on. So I, re- I retired it for momentarily there. And I, I threw the blank in, during that tournament. Um, and I kind of wanted to not just throw it as a blank. I, so I, I painted a little like pink on the back and then put like a shad dot on the side of it. And I had like three really big fish in that tournament like aggressively come up and look at it and just not commit and like i'm kind of i kicked myself because i feel like those fish looked at that bait and they saw that it like it just didn't look right or something it like obviously it was a reaction bite but when they got up to it they knew that that wasn't real um because it i mean the champagne bone one that i got painted that was money for me that thing is looks really good and is super natural and that the blank I was throwing, like, I feel like if I would have been throwing that, I would have caught at least one of those big fish, which would have obviously helped me a lot in the tournament. But yeah, those fish out there got really smart after a while. Yeah, and then for the last, uh, what's this year for? So the last three years, once a year, those those fish are getting combed through with, fuck, how many guys fish that tournament? Like 50 boats. So we'll say yeah. we'll say on the light end, like 100, 100 baits. They're seeing 100 baits one day out of the year. I mean, everybody's fishing crankdowns, wakes. I mean, everything's getting fished. Uh, Bass had a tournament out there a couple of years ago. Like those fish, um, they're not vir- It's not virgin waters by any means. Those fish right. kind of kind of know what what the gig is, what to eat and what not to eat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it comes like those guys that still catch them out there. They know like the perfect conditions, and they'll only go out. I've I've been out there before where they go. I've seen them come out for like twenty minutes, fish one spot for twenty minutes, and if they don't catch anything, like they're done. Like they, they go fish to the diner, eat dinner, and leave. <laughs> yep, they fish the same spot and they just comb it over because they know that there's big fish that live there. And like it's not thing, it's not something they just make a couple casts and if they don't eat, they're gone. They'll they'll fish that same spot because they know like if the if the conditions line up perfect, there's a big one there that's going to eat, but it's got to be perfect. Um, I've, I've mentioned this before, and I never actually dropped the name, but that lake has one 10-pounder, one double digit that sits in the same exact spot. It's gotten tagged. It got dumped in the lake like five years ago, and that fish has gotten caught four times in a matter of 200 yards in the same spot. So those guys know where that fish is, and they go out there and they try to catch that fish. And so... That's why it's like an early spring thing is when the, when that when they catch those bigger fish, it's because those fish kind of kind of like school up at that one spot. And I'm sure that's what you're referring to is they go out and fish that spot for 20 minutes. Like if you take every cast at every angle with that spot, you can cover it in a short amount of time. And if I know there's a 10 pounder there and I didn't hook it, it's like, oh, fuck it. I just 
I tried everything I could. I'll come back the next day that the conditions line up to, to what yep. I think that fish is going to fall for. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, did, have you noticed, like, have you noticed your fish at home kind of learning those baits? Or like we talked about, is it kind of you're the only guy doing it so those fish are a little bit more uh, lackadaisical to, to a glide bait getting ripped over a weed bed or anything like that? Um, well, there's, I would say there's probably two main lakes that I fish it on. One lake is a trophy lake, so you can only keep one fish over 18. So the tournaments out there are usually t- team tournaments, and they're two fish tournaments. Um, so there's a lot of decent-sized fish out there, and that lake, I don't think those fish will ever get super conditions, conditioned to a glide bait. I think they really eat it. The water's dirtier. They just react to it. Another um, lake I like is really like big fish in there and it just gets hammered by tournaments so sometimes i feel like those fish are so just like beat that like i don't even want to try a glide bait and then the other times i feel like i like i need to throw a glide bait because they are not even going to eat a cinco it's so hard like so yeah it, it depends i mean it, a lot a lot of these lakes in wisconsin get a ton of pressure so you kind of gotta pick and choose when you can and can't throw that bait um, in the right conditions. Like I was talking about before tournaments, there's tournaments every weekend and stuff. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes, but it can be cool when you catch them on that and you know that no one else is even like attempting because it just sounds silly to throw something like that. Yeah. It's, it's a weird feeling, not necessarily weird. You get an odd sense of, trying to think of the word here i don't know but but when somebody's like when somebody bullshits with you like at the boat ramp or something they look at your boat deck and and they see this they see this eight foot rod that's the size of a broomstick with with a six inch bait and relative to like what what we know about swim baits it's not necessarily huge but those guys like oh my they they make a huge deal out of it and then you come back to to the ramp and you have two four and a half pounders two five pounders and then I don't know. It's just it's such a good feeling to watch somebody swallow their words after you go out and you you put on a clinic with a big bait and and you win a tournament or you win big bass and like oh what did you catch that? I'd be like oh I caught that on the bait you were you were shit talking before we left here and just like just to see their mouths drop like oh my gosh like that happened to me all the time fishing up at home. We would have Wednesday Wednesday tournaments like you were talking about and I cashed big bass. In one year, I think we had 12 tournaments. I think I cashed it like eight times Jeez. On, on the hater. And guys are like, no, you're not catching those fish on this. I'm like, okay, guys, like whatever you say, like, okay, I guess I'm not. I guess I'm just taking your money with while I'm fishing a drop shot like everybody else in these tournaments are. I don't know. People, yeah. people criticize you. And then until they see it actually happen, it's kind of like when they're like, oh, shit, like this guy's not messing around. Like he's legit. Yeah. No, I mean, that happened. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I had a guy paint one of my um, blanks and like he painted it like a goldfish and <laughs> it was literally orange. And then I fished that tournament, which was a one fish big bass tournament. And I brought the biggest fish to the scale and they're like, like, they're like, no way you caught it on that bait. I just painted it. And everyone was like pissed about it. It was, it was pretty sick. That's so legit. Was it a paperweight? 
Yeah, I was a paperweight. That, that video is on my YouTube. It's just, it's a pretty cool one. Have you gotten to fish the baby paperweight at all? I have actually. I I just, I actually just. Well, I caught. I've caught a few fish on it, but I just caught a fish on it in a tournament last weekend. We didn't do super well, but it was on that same lake. One of our keepers was on the baby one. But yeah, that thing is sweet. I haven't gotten a chance to catch any smallies on it though, which I've been kind of disappointed about. I. I've been wanting to catch some smallies on it. Dude, the baby paperweight will absolutely get clobbered by smallmouth. If you put a head hook on it, you will catch every single fish that needs it. That's what I need to start doing. I haven't been using a head hook. It's been hurting me, I think. So I I brought that up to Victor, and Victor was like shit-talking me a couple weeks ago. He's like, why would you do that? And then like two days later, he gets a text. I get a text message from him. He's like, you know what? He's like, I've been thinking. He's like, it's it's weird that people run three hooks on a one ten. He's like, why? Like, it shouldn't be weird to run it on. Fuck, I don't know how big the baby is. Like five inches with the tail. And yeah, then right. I started doing that, and he started sending me fish pictures. He's like, oh my gosh, it works. I'm like, yeah, dude, it works. Like, it it it's not not gonna work. Like, they're not gonna miss the bait any more than they already do. Especially the smallmouth. Like, when they come up and head strike it to stun the bait. Like, yeah, once they head strike it, they're fucking hooked with the head hook. Right. Do you just put another split ring and then a just another same size treble, or do you go a little smaller or what? So so yeah, I go a little bit smaller. I think it's probably maybe a size two. I do a split ring on the hook and then I tie to the split ring. And oh, okay. uh, I I maybe I follow up maybe like every fifteen or twenty casts. Like it's nothing too crazy. And then yeah. I run that I run that little bit smaller hook because I, I ran it really, I ran it kind of weird. I ran a bigger hook in the middle, so like it would be the first treble hook without the head hook. And then the back and then the head hook were smaller hooks. And I just kind of did that so it sunk, sunk straight down. And yeah. then I don't even know how many fish I caught on that thing. I blew it up once and I glued it back together and caught a shit ton more fish on it. And then I blew it up again. And dude, like that bait was so tore to shit. And it was. I wish I still had it. Like, I'm so pissed that I blew it up. I mean, I super glued it back together, and that thing caught me so many damn fish. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. That thing is money. It, that's such a sick little bait. Like, I, 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 I'll tell Vic, I tell Vic this all the time. Like, I hate the, the, the regular size paperweight. I was never a fan of it. And I bought the baby on drop. And, I'm like, dude, like, why haven't I fished the normal size paperweight? Like, if it swims like this, like, this is kick ass. And he's like, dude, I've been trying to tell you that. Like, and that was at the point of time where I lived up home fishing Lake Michigan, and those yeah. just did not like the the paperweight, but they love the taxi. And that's why I was like, dude, Victor, the taxi is your best glide bait. He's like, no, you're crazy, man. The bait or the paperweight is. And then now I'm like, shit, I should buy a regular size paperweight to fish more. Yeah, yeah, dude. I think it's your money. I mean, that's pretty much I'll only throw. Just from this, the success I've had, I really don't throw anything besides Victor's stuff. Yeah, it uh, his shit's his shit's good for what it is. I, I love his stuff. I, I'm excited to try his rat. He's sending me a rat right now, and he's like, you've never fished a rat before? I'm like, nah, man. He's like, y'all do the smallmouth will kill it, so... Hopefully he's right about that because smallmouth on top water in the river's a lot of freaking fun. And if I can catch him on a six inch rat, I won't complain at all. That would be sick. 
Um, have have you fished the the big hater in Wisconsin or Minnesota at all, or is that kind of something you left in Virginia more or less? Yeah, I mean, not really. I mean, I've thrown it for like pike and muskies and stuff, but never never really had a ton of confidence in throwing it very much. That was kind of just the deal I had on like a few lakes in Virginia because they're big shad lakes, and I had confidence in it there, but. Really have much confidence in it in Wisconsin, really. Yeah. The big, I bought a, he had um, like three perch painted big haters at the Richmond show, I think, or maybe it was the Gathering 2. I can't remember. But I bought yeah. one, or maybe I took one off the table anyway. And I was like, this bait is so kick ass, but it goes so much deeper than I need it to. And so I never actually caught a fish on it. And now one of my buddies has it. But the regular size uh, hater, dude, that thing caught me so many fish. I still have – that was like one of the actual first swim baits I had, and I still have it. I haven't caught a fish on it in a while, but that bait has been bounced off so many docks and has caught so many fish. It's The hater is like a catch fishing crank down if, for anybody who has never fished it before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've tried his gill now. I have – Oh, yeah. yeah. The gill has been – pretty sweet too that was the other bait my partner and i were throwing in that tournament the other day we caught a couple no big ones on it but it got bit it, it's pretty nice is it yeah. how much smaller is it than the baby paperweight is it about the same same size just different uh different heights it's yeah it's honestly about the same size it's just a little taller it still swims nice though there's a lot of people who want that bait and Victor has made like two drops of it and he has not messed with them since then. I'm like, dude, like you should make one mostly so I can get one, but you should make more for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you should definitely make some more of those. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's, I, it's like Victor's baits. And then the only other swim bait that I like, which is a which is topwater, which is Kyle's Wake Walker. That thing is oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. He's a great dude, too. Yeah, I've been talking to Kyle a lot lately. Kyle and Marshall and, and Phoenix. I, I mean, I've always kind of talked to Phoenix, but those Kyle and Marshall are, are two guys I've been talking to a lot lately. Um, I, I'm really excited to see see them at the gathering to actually meet some guys. I haven't gone since I missed last year, and even if you don't go buy anything, it's nice to to kind of meet guys who you talk to through Facebook for two or three years, and you have no idea what they're like in like in person. <laughs> It's always nice to go out there, and it's nice this year because because guys will kind of know who I am, and I won't just be sitting at the fish everything booth. Like I don't yeah. know, it, it's just gonna be fun. Yeah, that'll be sweet. Are you going this year or no? I I want to. I mean, that's where I really went, literally went to college for four years, so like I know a bunch of people that live in Williamsburg. Yeah, so right. I should, if I could find a way down there, I would go. I, I want to yeah. fish Lake Chickahominy again, too. I love that place. Got to get out to that. My other sneak lake that is just money, <laughs> too, in October. That place is so sick. God, I wish I... Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely love to go down to that again. One thing I wanted to talk to you about is when you and Vic went striper fishing out, out on that lake, um, you, did you, is that where you caught your PB, or did you catch it at Chickamahoney? Uh, Chickamahoney? That's where I... Not my PB bass, my P that was where I caught my PB striper though. Striper, okay, that's what yeah. I thought. Were you guys fishing paperweights that day? Yeah, the whole while well, he was switching around, he was throwing 
some haters, some different like baits he was prototyping and stuff. But I was throwing that same paperweight the whole day. Um, those that that was sick because we were on same rod. Um, I just I mean the, the rod I I don't have any like really expensive rods. I've just been throwing the eight oh six Dobbins Fury. Um, which has been fine for me, and I, we were just throwing 65-pound braid, chucking the paperweight, and those things would come up and wake like muskies, kind of, and, I mean, it was sweet when you'd catch one of those. Yeah, the running group in the, or the running joke in the group, sorry, I'm like fucking six twisted T's deep right now, uh, Phil, Phil and Vic, like, they always like, oh, dude, you need to come, you need to come striper fish with us, like, it's fucking crazy, and and the running joke is like these stripers more or less teleport to your bait. Like you'll be you'll be swimming your bait along, and then all of a sudden you have a striper in the net or in the boat. And I, it's something I haven't gotten to experience yet, but I really want to just based on how many guys talk about how fun striper fishing is. And I think it'd be a blast. Like you're you're more or less fishing flats and just ripping glide baits across them, right? Yeah, I mean we had his he has a side imaging unit on the front. And we could see them on the side imaging and then kind of just guess where they were going to be, like just huge streaks. But it's, yeah, it's just like flats and stuff. I mean, the big one I caught, I wasn't looking, but he was watching my bait and I was right underneath the surface and he saw it coming and like oh watched gosh. it eat, which was pretty sick. Dude, that's, it, it sounds like so much fun. I, I've said I'm going to go out there for the last like three years, but I haven't just because like, it sounds like it's so hit or miss. Like some days, some days they'll go out there and they'll catch like seven and then they won't catch any for like two weeks. And it's like, obviously that it's, it's not like a bass. It's, it's what I figure more or less like a muskie. Like you're going out there and you're just, you're just casting until your arm falls off and, and you might get lucky and you might have one follow. And then the next day you might catch nine of them. Like it, uh, they're really, they're super wishy-washy. It's not like they're populated into a lake. Like they are like largemouth are. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, day we were out there, it rained for like most of the day or half the day, and it was super overcast. And we, like, I caught like four. Victor caught like a couple and had a ton of more like follow. We had a bunch of follows and like rolls, but it was a good day. But yeah, you talked about how hit or miss it was for sure. Damn, dude, that sounds so much fun. It was it. I mean, have you caught a muskie or like a, a big pike before? Like, did it fight like anything you've hooked before, or was it like a completely, completely different sensation as far as fighting and like kind of, kind of having to bring it into the boat? Um, I haven't caught a big muskie, you know, like since I was really young. I mean, I've caught some big pike. They run like pretty straight, like. They'll like make straight runs, but you know, all the stripers were like they would hit it and then kind of roll, and then they would just dig like they were pretty crazy. Yeah, they're they're definitely not like they're not like a largemouth, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, what you said yours was seventeen, so that outweighs your PB by sixteen and a half pounds. It's it's fucking ridiculous to think about. Yeah, yeah, it was and- massive. Yeah, so you're fishing this like on just your normal swim bait setup, right? Like your normal bass swim bait setup? Yeah, I mean, I never really got into the big-time setups. I have a Dobbins Fury, like I said, and then I have Tranks 200, and I was throwing 65-pound braid for that day. Most of the time when I swim bait bass, it's just 
same setup. I'll just go 20 pound, uh, Braze X and knock on wood. Neither of those have ever failed me, but I'm super like super cautious. I'll, I'm always watching my line. I'll retie like all the time. Check knots. I'm super careful about that. Are you fishing uh power pro braid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. I haven't had any problems with that. One thing I'm kind of torn on is like that super slick eight Daiwa braid. Like it's okay. I have, haven't had too many problems with it. I've cast it off like two taxis. Okay. Let me rephrase that. I've tacked, cast it off one taxi and then an acquaintance of mine has tacked, cast it off a taxi relative. I don't think that was the line's fault on his. I think that was because he backlashed the first time and he didn't pick it out far enough. But I don't know. I have more confidence in braid than I do like mono and uh, fluoro. But this year I've downgraded to 17 pound and I've gotten a lot of confidence in it. But like you said, like, I never used to check my line fishing up at home, but since moving down here and fishing like riprap in the river and stuff, I probably check it like every 15 or 20 casts and I probably retie six or seven times throughout a trip. Like I, I'm way more cautious down here. I'm way more cautious and I fish way more finesse, finesse down here relative to at home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. See that. Uh, one thing. One thing I wanted to touch on is, so you fish, you fish college tournaments, right? Or you did, I don't know if your guys' season's still going on or not. Yep. Yeah, we're, uh, fish, wait, keep going, sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, so, so have you been able to take anything you've kind of learned swim bait fishing in Virginia and, uh, back at home? And have you been able to apply it, whether that be like swim bait fishing strictly or, Kind of like when you learned how those fish acted inside scan in Virginia or um, what you learned at home, like fish behavior wise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been able to learn like kind of how bigger fish set up a little bit better. Um, I wouldn't say that it's applied as much in my college tournaments. I've thrown the glide a little bit. I haven't caught anything on it in any of the college tournaments, but I'll still throw it like I'm not afraid to pick it up. Um, um, but yeah, we're still fishing college season. My brother and I just qualified for the MLF, um, college national championship next March in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. So that one will be sweet. Um, we did that at the Mississippi river and the cross. So that was pretty cool. That's, that's freaking, that's so badass. I, I, I'm torn that I didn't go to college, but it would have been more or less go to college just to fish. Like I never really liked school, but I always liked fishing and that's what I wanted to do. But I'm like, ah, I can fish anytime. Like I don't need to go to school to specifically fish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got to do it for one spring out of the five years I played basketball and I'm glad I did. I would, I would honestly, I wouldn't, but if I could go back, I would try to fish like my entire career because it, it's a lot of fun. Those tournaments are fun. And you get to meet a lot of good anglers and like other college guys who love fishing as much as you, which is cool. So, did, did William and Mary have a bass fishing club or was that kind of undiscovered waters out there? No, they didn't. And they wouldn't let me start one either which really was yeah so i was like undecided whether i was gonna graduate transfer or not um or stay at william mary 
for my COVID senior year, I guess. And I really wanted to try to fish my last spring after the season was over. Um, so I, I was like asking to see if I could do that at William Mary and like the head of rec sports or whatever said no. So I was like, all right. I mean, I wasn't the main deciding factor. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but that was another reason. <laughs> like I did not stay. And then I went to Minnesota and I thought they had a team cause they did in the past. Like they had some guys like Austin Felix fish for Minnesota. Um, but they actually, it went under cause of COVID. So I actually started that back up and that's how we were able to fish this year. But it's, it was, it's been pretty sweet. Yeah, dude, that, uh, it's sweet that you got to, got to experience that. Cause I mean, I know kids who, who have gone to college to fish and maybe it's not necessarily what they think it is. And they're like, Oh man, like I went to the school to fish. Like I've heard this school has a really good program and, and uh, it maybe like you said, it's gone under and stuff before, so so it really didn't work out. But I mean, it sounds like you you kind of brought it back to life at Minnesota, and I mean, it sounds like you guys have had a pretty decent year as far as uh, far as fishing goes. Yeah, no, for sure, it's been pretty cool. We and we fished one. Well, I fished the. Wisconsin State BASS, which would have, if we would have won, we would have got to the national championship. We took fourth in that, but we did fish the Saginaw Bay um, College Bassmaster Series, and that was that was pretty cool because that's against like, all the best guys in college. Everyone makes that those four tournaments, so fish against those guys was pretty sweet. We've gotten to meet a bunch of anglers that fish for other schools. I mean, I got to know some of the like the Montevallo guys, which are their school of the year last year they'll probably be again this year so actually they were the last two years so they had a lot of really good fishermen they got some guys from minnesota though so i got to meet them get to know them a little bit but yeah i mean you're fishing against i mean future pros i mean playing in the big 10 this past year though for basketball i was playing against i mean there was like nine first round draft picks um in this year's class from the big 10 that i played against and then Going over to fish in college, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be a handful of guys that make their way onto the Elite Series or like the Bass Pro Tour or whatever. So it's pretty cool to be able to fish against both future pros. Or not fish against both, but compete against both. <laughs> yeah, I'll say it's, it's, um, it's very surreal to, to watch a guy you've met before play against the University of Michigan on TV. Like, I, I remember I remember watching you guys play against Michigan and uh we're watching we're we're at a sports bar, we're eating dinner and everything and uh it, it didn't click in my mind and I look up after taking a bite out of my sandwich and I'm like, Holy shit. I'm like, I know I I know one of those guys that plays for Minnesota and everybody's like, You're so full of shit. I'm like, No, I, I like I am I'm not kidding. I know I know that guy and they're like, no, no. So I had to pull up your Instagram and I showed him like, I, I, I know, I know the number 12. Like I, I've met him before. I, he's, we've talked fishing and stuff. They're like, no, like you're kidding. And so, um, like I said, I showed him your Instagram and everything. And I'm like, I've met him before. Like, this is so crazy to watch him on, on ESPN or whatever fucking channel we were watching. It's just, it's a very weird feeling. And I can't imagine it's, it's like a common feeling for you to be playing against guys like that and or like 
know that you're being nationally televised like that. Like that's got to be such a crazy feeling. Yeah, no, that was pretty wild. That was a crazy game too. We actually beat Michigan at Michigan. Yeah, was you guys that. won. Yeah, I remember that. That was on ESPN, I think. But yeah, I know it was. It was crazy cool playing against guys like that. I mean, there'll be guys with 15 to 20 year NBA careers that I played against this year. So it's pretty nuts. But yeah, those playing those games at the Big Ten arenas were, I mean, that's not that's an experience I'll never forget. It's not like anything else. I mean, those places were packed. It was nuts. Yeah, I mean, it. Fuck, it's got to be crazy. Growing up as somebody who played sports and who who fished in the off season, I mean, there can't be much of a much of a quote unquote off season for for D1 basketball players, is there? I mean, you guys probably get some time after March, probably like what, like a month or two before that's, that's like probably your personal time. And even on your personal time, you probably got lifting and stuff. Is there, is there really a dead period for you guys or is it just kind of constantly weekly, weekly team workouts and everything that you guys have to show up to? No, it's pretty much, it's pretty much full go almost all year. Um, yeah, like you said, after the season's over, we we probably get three to three to well, actually, it's probably like two to three weeks of nothing, and then lifts start back up with the team, yeah. and individual workouts, and then it's all the way through the spring. Get like a week off, and then summer workouts start back at Minnesota, and then it's all the way until March from the summer. It's like all year. It's pretty crazy. That's yeah, dude. I. I mean, coming from a small high school and like if you played one sport, you played them all. It was always hard to 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 find fishing time, like in the spring or in the summer. You obviously it was kind of more free, like you had football lifts and everything twice a week. And in between working and stuff like you obviously found time. Was it ever hard for you to to find time to fish? Or I mean, I guess at that point in time, being your senior senior year, you were probably like laser focused on fishing was there sometimes you're like oh my gosh like i i I just wish i could i could go fish like tomorrow but i I have 7 a.m lift instead yeah i got i mean i got lucky because when i got to minnesota i had i had uncles that lived in minnetonka and then one that lived in hudson so like right on the st Croix river on the wisconsin side so like 30 minutes each way from minneapolis i had an uncle with a boat who bass fished who i could like go fish with whenever and I had cousins who would go. So I got lucky. There's obviously a lot of good fishing around. So I was able to squeak time in a little bit um, between stuff. But once the season got ramped up and it got colder, I mean, obviously it died down a little bit, but then once our season was over this year, this was like my first spring and summer off. So uh, I was just all fishing then. Yeah, exactly. And that's why like, you kind of got to to flourish as your as like your tournament career more or less because because bit being your senior year you didn't really have to to focus on like those spring lifts and everything so you got to kind of branch out and more or less do your other hobby the the bass bass fishing part of bass and buckets more or less right absolutely yep absolutely for sure would would you um was the fishing better in Minnesota or, I mean, it was probably a little bit better in, in Virginia because you've got to do it probably 11 months out of the year relative to Virginia, relative to Minnesota where it's 
fuck, probably like seven, seven months out of the year. Yeah. I mean, the fishing in Minnesota is obviously good, but I liked it in Virginia more. I think it was better in Virginia more. Also because a lot of those lakes I fished were like trolling motor only lakes, so there was not as much pressure and those fish like were easier to catch and also a lot bigger, like we talked about before. So that was cool. But yeah, yeah. Was, I liked fishing in Virginia a lot. I definitely miss that. That's why I want to go back sometime soon. There's something to be said about being being raised in the north, like where where you have hard winters or uh, where where the bass don't eat 24-7, 11 months out of the year. And then when you get a taste of like that southern fishing, it's like, oh my gosh, like why can't this be why can't this be back at home? Like I remember being in Virginia in October for the gathering and it being it being like 65, 70 degrees out still and like bluebird skies, like light wind. And I remember floating down the river with Phil and seeing smallmouth move around and it's like, oh my gosh, like it's it's like 45, 50 at home. The water is just as cold. Like yeah. I wish I wish I could experience this. And I mean for you, you you did for four years. You got to you got to move from a really cold part of the state to to a part of the state where it gets winter for a month and a half, two months maybe. Right. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I mean gosh up in wisconsin after the ice comes out there's some places up here where fish won't even think about biting until the water breaks 50 sometimes even like even like 53 to 55 and down south it never even i mean it'll get below that but the fish will still be biting because i mean they're not just like absolutely frozen from the winter so yeah when those fish get 10 months out of the year to actively feed the fishing just seems to be so much better relative to up here where they get, like I said, eight months, eight months, nine months being super gracious to feed if there's a really light winter. And I mean, you, you can tell like the bills of those fish are way different. I would say our fish up here from what I've experienced seem to be more aggressive, but I think that has to do with only being able to eat eight months out of the year relative to down there those fish seem kind of more conservative like a little bit picky not necessarily picky but they're they're kind of more uh they're not as optimistic feeders as they are up here right yeah i definitely agree so if uh kind of kind of closing it down here if you had the opportunity would you stay down in Virginia to fish more or would you rather move move back home Wisconsin uh Minnesota area to fish just I guess fun fish and swim bait fish. If it just came down to fishing, I would probably stay in like somewhere where I could fish all year round, like Virginia. Yeah. And the fishing yeah. was good. The fish were bigger. On the other hand, the fishing up here, if it comes to like being a better fisherman and becoming a better angler, I mean, the guys who tournament fish like locally in Wisconsin. Are, Wisconsin and Minnesota are some of the best like in the country in my opinion because it's so competitive like tournaments up here I mean to win on a to consistently win on a body of water in Wisconsin I mean is really 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 hard to do so I mean it, it's de- you can definitely learn a lot I've definitely learned a lot this year I've had some su- success got my butt kicked in a couple times 
a few more than a couple times probably, but there's some like local guys that are just insane. I mean, Jay Shakurit just won uh, St. Lawrence River, broke the century belt. He's the same age as me. Grew up oh fishing God, Wisconsin. So crazy. Like dudes are good here. Yeah, that uh, for anybody who didn't see that tournament, he was in first after day two, so he was in first going into Saturday and Sunday and. Watching that tournament, dude, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just so badass because being a northern guy, like watching this guy come in with five, six pound fish is just five, six pound smallmouth, mind you. It's just mind blowing. Like to be on fish that that heavily is such a badass thing to watch, especially um especially for a guy up north to be doing it. Like watching Taku Idu do it two years ago, it was cool, but to see a guy who grew up fishing this stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, like literally his whole life has prepared him for that moment right there. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I mean, I've I fished against them a couple times. One time this year, they had the Elite Series on Pickwick. I think he didn't make the third-day cut or something, so he drove all the way up from Alabama, hopped in a tournament on Lake Dubay, which is like near Stevens Point where he's from. And just like had his whole elite series rig and boat up on the river there, and like it's pretty sick. He's got like everyone just like he put in his boat last. Like there was a fog delay, he waited out, put in his boat. Everyone just like looking at him. <laughs> Dude drove That's like not- twenty hours to come fish the tournament, just like a local derby against everybody. It was pretty sick. That's so crazy. Um, so the Van Dams are. Not necess- they're local to where I live now, but before when I lived up at home, they weren't necessarily local. And uh, him, him, Jonathan and Kevin, Jonathan being Kevin's nephew, they would come up to my place and fish quite a bit. And I remember <laughs> fishing one day in Jonathan's boat or trailer was at the boat ramp. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And uh, I'm fishing the the Lake Michigan Pierheads, and here comes this bass bass pro shop wrapped boat. I'm like, oh shit, like this this must be Jonathan. Like, I don't know anybody else who's fishing a wrapped bass boat in northern Michigan. And he's fishing yeah. a drop shot. He's not catching jack squat. And he watched me in three casts catch two fish on the S Waiver 168. As he was like, he was getting ready to motor away after I caught before I caught the first one. And he killed his motor, watched me catch it, take pictures, throw the fish back, and he watched me catch one on the next cast. And he gave me a thumbs up and he just made he made a run. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was like that's literally probably the most badass swim bait fishing moment I've ever had and probably will ever have unless I catch a 10 pound. Like that was, that was That's literally sick. such a badass moment. That's so sick. And then I, I tagged him on a post on Instagram and he messaged me. He's like, what were you fishing? Cause there was a big, um, Michigan has a cash for bass tournament series. And it's like a huge, that's like where all the big boys go and play or go and fish. And it was on it was on uh, the lake down from Lake Michigan, south south of Lake. I was on like five miles, and and you're able to make the run to any connecting lakes to Lake Michigan. So he was fishing that lake to to pre fish. He's like, "What were you catching those fish on?" I was like, "Oh, S Waiver one sixty eight. He's like, ah, "I don't have any of those." And I was like, "Damn, like that's that's such a crazy feeling." Yeah, that's nuts. Ah uh, shit! I had a question about uh, about college fishing. I can't think of what it was. Right off the top of my head now. Fuck, what was it? I can't remember. Um, just 
Well, close that down. What What are your social social medias for everybody to follow? You have Instagram and YouTube, right? Is there anything else you have? Yeah, I would say those are my primary ones. Um, in, my Instagram is Bass and Buckets. I also have my personal one, which is just Luke Lowy. It's more like my basketball stuff. If you want to check that out, um, and then my YouTube is Bass and Buckets too. That's I got a lot of swim baiting stuff from Virginia on there, um, which is pretty neat. Um, Lately, I've been just filming a lot of the college tournaments, which has been kind of fun for me to do. But yeah, I would right. say those are my two primary ones. I was about to say there's there's a lot of guys who who listen to the show who who swim bait fish, but there's a lot of guys who listen to the show to tournament fish. So I know um, I know they'll be they'll check out your YouTube channel for sure. I know one guy, uh, Jason Carroll, swim bait reviews. He he tournament fished in in college, and he. Yeah, he, uh, he he really enjoys it. So so I'll have to hit him up and, and show you your YouTube channel because it's kind of special when it seems like a lot of guys now they either swim bait fish or or you tournament fish. So kind of to be more or less a hybrid in that. Like like you'll go out and you'll you'll win a tournament and then the next day you'll go out and fun fish and and drop a 20, 25 pound bag with swim baits. It's it's kind right. of sick. It's kind of it's kind of dope to see because a lot of guys are like swim bait or die. And then, like, the other half of guys are like, oh, I'm going to go drag a jig for tournament fish. Like, you don't, there's not a crazy amount of guys who will do both. Right. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, I'll, I, like I said, I'll make sure. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I enjoy doing both, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I would never turn down the opportunity to go cash a check. Like I said, I've, I've won a couple big bass and, like, our tournaments they're nothing like a college tournament. Like you win big bass and you win 60 bucks, which is enough to, to fill up the gas tank and, and buy a new spool line. So I, I never really complained when that happened. Right. Yeah. Those are the fun ones. Oh, exactly. But like I said, I will, I'll leave all Luke's uh, social, social medias in the description. So you guys can go check them out. Make sure if you guys don't already to follow hit, follow him on Instagram and uh, subscribe to his YouTube channel. Is, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we close it down for the night? No, uh, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Uh, this, this is a sweet podcast you're doing. Um, glad I could share a little bit of my story. Hopefully I can make it out to a gathering maybe this year, maybe in the future. But um, yeah, if uh, anyone's watching this, wants to reach out, have any questions or anything, or just say what's up, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram. I usually reply. So thanks again for watching and thanks for having me on. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll if Luke makes it out this year, maybe we'll have him at the Scales and Tails booth signing autographs for everybody. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I'll have all of Luke's uh, socials in the description for you guys to check him out if you guys haven't already. Like I said, make sure you guys follow and subscribe to him. Also, make sure if you guys don't already to follow the Instagram Scales and Tails underscore podcast on Instagram and uh, Facebook too. Facebook will just be Scales and Tails. And like always, make sure you guys give the podcast a five-star rating if you guys haven't already on your listening platform. That really helps the show out. Um, I, I looked a couple weeks ago, and there was only like 14, uh, 14 reviews. And then I looked like last week, and there was 24. So shout out to the 10 of you who, who gave it uh, five stars. We're up to like 4.9 stars. So that's pretty badass. I don't know who gave me a bad rating, but shame on you. No, I completely kid. I appreciate you guys for rating it truthfully um, and not just – saying it's the best podcast around because I know it has its flaws, but I appreciate the guys who, who listen and I appreciate the guys who, who enjoy the show, but 
I want to thank Luke for coming on. Um, it was very, very fun to talk to him, especially because there's not a whole lot of guys who grew up fishing the Midwest and made the transfer to the East Coast and then back to the Midwest. So it was very fun talking to Luke. And uh, I don't know if there's really many guys who have gotten more or less experience what you've gotten to experience over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been blessed with the opportunities I've been able to um, experience throughout the country with travel for poops and for fishing. So I've been lucky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I know there'd be quite a few people who, who would rather fish the East Coast than the Midwest, and I'm sure maybe some of those East Coast guys would rather fish the Midwest. But uh, nonetheless, like I said, I want to thank Luke for coming on, and I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and I will talk to everybody next time. Thanks, guys.